Hello, I'm Mercedes. And I'm Tash. And you're listening to episode 153 of Chat Disney. So welcome back to another episode of the Chat Disney podcast. And this week we're really excited because we are going to be bringing you our guide to Disneyland Paris for dummies. That's right, we're going back to basics, letting you know everything you need to be aware of before your next Disneyland Paris trip or your first Disneyland Paris trip indeed. Today's episode is pre-recorded so there will not be any news. So let's head straight into the main part. So as I said in today's intro, Tash and I are pre-recording today's episode as baby Tash. I don't know why I called your baby, baby Tash. The child uh, is due relatively soon and we do not know how many weeks left we have to record in person. So we have recorded this one a little bit ahead of schedule. So if there's anything that seems inaccurate or out of date as we talk about Disneyland Paris this week, we sincerely apologize. But Disneyland Paris for dummies, Tash, why did we decide to do this? I guess we've both had a lot of questions about Disneyland Paris recently. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're quite a seasoned Disney goer, no matter what park it is, you know, even if you've been to the American parks, but you've not been to Paris or vice versa, I think it's it's quite easy to get a good grasp on planning and you know just being in the Disney community you see a lot of stuff it's quite easy to know kind of where to start and what sort of things you want to do what accounts and things you want to research to see you know what food you want and stuff like that obviously it's a little bit different at the moment with Walt Disney World now they've introduced the Disney Genie app and a lot of planning is done through that but I think if you've never ever been to a Disney park which is who this episode is aimed at it can seem a little bit overwhelming and I think a lot of people just book a trip to Disneyland Paris we're focusing on that today so they would probably just book flights or a Euro tunnel book a hotel and then probably that would be it maybe they wouldn't have an itinerary for the park or be aware of what's on offer in terms of food attraction shows that kind of thing so we've both been asked in the past by various people oh I'm going to Disneyland Paris next year or whatever like what should I do? Give me some tips. And then you start talking and they're like, oh, I didn't realise there was this much planning involved in it. So that's why we decided to do this week's episode was to help some Disneyland Paris newbies planning a trip. Yeah. And this isn't tips and tricks. This isn't, you know, the best place to get a snack. This is basics, basics. So if you too are a seasoned Disney planner or a a Disney park goer, then you can sit back and relax this week and just be, you know, happy that you have all of the experience you do. So you mentioned travel there, Tash. I think it's worth pointing out that Disneyland Paris is actually not in Paris. It's actually in a small little town called Marne-le-Valley, which is about half an hour to 45 minutes outside of Paris, yeah, who knew? So there are a few different ways that you can get to the Disneyland Resort in Paris, in quotations, obviously. The first one is flying. I think flying is quite an obvious one. So if you are flying 
to Disneyland Paris, you are going to want to fly from anywhere in the UK. We're assuming that you're UK based. Obviously, if you're in the US, why would you fly from the UK? That would make no sense at all. And you are going to fly into Charles de Gaulle Airport, which is the main airport in Paris. And then you're going to have to think about your transportation onwards. How are you going to get from Charles de Gaulle to Marla Valley and there are a few different options available. There is a train, as I say, it takes about 45 minutes from central Paris, a little bit longer from Charles de Gaulle. There are coach services as well, but you are going to pay a premium for these. And then of course, the most exclusive option at all would be to get an Uber, a taxi, some kind of uh, lift service. Again, you're gonna pay a little bit more for that option. Depending on where you live, I would say flying is probably not my personal choice. Tash and I are very lucky that we're based in the south of England. We both live in Brighton. So for us, we would have to drive north to Gatwick or even Heathrow to then fly across to Charles de Gaulle. It's just not feasible for us in the south. But I totally appreciate that if you're in Manchester or Scotland, or I don't know why, they're the two places that I thought, if you live in the north of England, (laughs) flying is probably going to be a much better option. But for us, it's not a a great option. So Tash, what are are some of the other ways you can get to Disneyland Paris? Yeah, I think I was just going to add, I think with flying as well, people look at the flight and think like, oh, it's super quick for a flight to Paris. But then actually, you have to factor in that time taken to get to the airport, the time you want to be at the airport ahead of your flight, the time then from the airport. It works out as being about the same, I would say. So for us, for us, yeah, for us based in the South. One of the other ways that you can get to Disneyland Paris is, of course, to take the Eurostar. So for us, we can get the Eurostar from either Ashland International or from St Pancras in London. So it's a bit of a journey to get to both of those places. But then it's a simple case of if you're lucky and depending on the time of year that you go, you might be able to get on that train and then it will take you straight to Disney Village. You literally can't get an easier journey than that. You get to the station, you get on the train, you sit on it for a couple of hours, you're there in Disneyland. Unfortunately, at the moment, there are no direct trains running. So what you would have to do as an alternative is get the train to Paris and then get a transfer from there to Marne Valley. So I think that takes around about an hour, just under. So that's something to also factor in. So when you are planning your trip, have a look and see if direct trains are running because if they are, so much easier to get the Eurostar. Are they not doing the Lil train? At the I think moment? you can do the Lil one as well. The Lil one is actually really decent. It's dreamy because you get the Eurostar at St Pancras or Ashford or wherever it is. And then you get off at Lil and it's literally the same platform. You literally just walk a metre and then get on another train that looks like a Eurostar or whatever. And then you end up in Disney Village as well. So that is like a really easy way as well. So don't freak out. I see a lot of people on like Disney Facebook pages and stuff freaking out. They're like, why is it taking me to Lil? It's so easy. I've done it. You literally just cross over a platform. But the Eurostar is probably one of the pricier options for getting to Disneyland Paris. It's probably my favorite way, I would say. I think the Eurostar is quite a comfortable premium option it doesn't feel like a normal train so we totally understand that if you're on a budget the Eurostar might not be feasible which is why we are super lucky in the UK being in the south on the coast as we are because Tash and I can drive I say we can drive neither of us has ever driven abroad but we could in theory 
drive to Disneyland Paris from our house and would be there within sort of five to six hours tops, which is incredible. And that would be by using the Euro Tunnel, so the Channel Crossing. You could use the ferry if you wanted, but I have really bad motion sickness and absolutely cannot go on ferries because I get very, very nauseous. So the Euro Tunnel is a great little option. You basically just sit in the car, you stay in the car. It's so quick. We did it in January 2020 when we went together. It's the easiest ever. I mean, even easier when you're not the one driving. (laughs) I was going to say that. Yeah, definitely easy when you're not driving. The only factors to consider with driving is, of course, you've got your Euro tunnel cost, which is per car, I think. So you don't have to pay per person. I think you can get it for about 50 euros per car. Um, But then other things to take into consideration as well, things like tolls, which you would have to pay for when you get to France. Um, And then it is about a two and a half, three hour drive from where you arrive in France to Disneyland Paris. But yeah, if you've got a car, just chuck all your stuff in the car. It's so easy. If you're going to be buying a ton of merchandise, then yeah, it's definitely the easiest way to travel. Absolutely. So we've covered the basics there. Disneyland Paris, you heard it here first, is not, in fact, in Paris. It's a little bit outside of Paris. So getting there could be difficult depending on where you live. So that is the location. I think the next question that I often get asked about is where do I stay? And again, like Tash said, you know, you might be naively looking on Skyscanner for flights to Central Paris. You might be looking on booking.com or hotels.com for a hotel in Paris. Again, this is not going to be the most convenient trip for you because as we've mentioned, Central Paris is about 30 to 45 minutes away from Disneyland Resort and you need to be there for rope drop. That is when the park opens for those of you that this episode is for, because you may not be familiar with that term. Sometimes the park opens as early as 8am, especially if you have extra magic hours. We will come on to that shortly. So you absolutely do not want to be getting on a train at 7.15 in the morning from central Paris to Disneyland. That is not a good option. Because of this and because of the remote nature of the Disneyland Paris Resort, lots of people stay at the Disney hotels. And there's kind of three tiers I kind of see of of different kind of um, hotels that are within the Disneyland Resort. So you've got your kind of good neighbor hotels and they're things like there's a hotel called B&B. I think there's like a Kyriad there as well. These are all within uh, Marla Valley. So the town that Disneyland Resort is in. You've then got some hotels that are a little bit more premium and feel a little bit more like Disney hotels. And these are things like the Dream Castle Hotel, the Magic Circus Hotel, the Explorers Hotel. So these are themed hotels. Again, really, really close to Disneyland. There's buses and shuttles that take you from the hotels to the parks, but they're not owned by Disney. So you're not going to have that kind of like traditional Disney magic that you would get with a Disney hotel. And then of course you have got your Disney hotels and there are lots of different ones to choose from at Disneyland Paris. We are absolutely not going to talk through them all today. In fact, there's an episode for that. If you are interested in which Disney hotel you should pick at Disneyland Paris, head over to chatdisney.co.uk and have a little search in the search bar and you will find an episode that we've recorded previously that's all about the different hotels at Disneyland Paris, the Disney options that are there. So pros and cons to staying at these different hotels. Well, obviously the first bunch of hotels is talking about the B&B and also the Kyriad they're the cheapest. They're still super close to the parks. Really good option, but 
you know, they're not going to have the, the bells and whistles, as it were. The Explorers, the Dream Castle, the Magic Circus, again, not owned by Disney, but they've got nice themes. The Magic Circus I've stayed in before. And, you know, in your bed, there's like a little kind of like a big top basically around one of the beds it's like a curtain that's made to look like a circus tent you're gonna see characters no they're not Disney characters but you're gonna see like some fuzzy friends in the lobby and stuff like that it's still got that air of magic about it it's really really family friendly and you are still gonna have those shuttles that take you from the hotel to the park so that's really really good the perks of the Disney hotels at Disneyland Paris, and this is really worth making a note of if you're somebody who's not very familiar with Disneyland Paris but has maybe been to some of the other resorts around the world, you will get your tickets included in the cost of your stay. This is something that does not happen at Walt Disney World. It does not happen at Disneyland. It certainly doesn't happen at any of the Asian parks. So when you're looking at the cost and you can see how expensive those Disney hotels are at Disneyland Paris, remember they are including the cost of your entrance into both parks for the duration of your stay. And when I say the duration of your stay, what I mean is if you're staying for two nights, you've got four days of park access because your tickets will be valid from check-in to the end of the day that you check out, basically. So I think that's a huge advantage for Disneyland Paris that I don't think that many newbies are aware of. No, absolutely, yeah. And they do do some decent deals as well with the Disney hotels, and I think they also come into kind of three tiers as well. So, you know, if you really want to splash out and splurge, then you've got the Disneyland Hotel, but then there are some options. And again, as Mercedes said, we're not going to go into detail about them, but then you have got some kind of mid-range hotels and some more kind of budget-friendly hotels as well. So there are lots of options depending on what your budget is. But yeah, if you can, I would definitely recommend staying at a Disney hotel because I do think it does improve your experience. Definitely. And here's another fun fact for you all. The Disney hotels will talk to you a little bit about some of the perks. So they will say to you that one of the perks for staying at a Disney hotel is the fact that you get this complimentary shuttle bus to the parks. But this is something you may not know. All of the Disneyland hotels, the Disneyland Paris hotels, with the exception of Davy Crockett, but all of the others are within walking distance to the main parks. The furthest you're going to walk is a 15-minute walk, and that would be if you're staying in one of the furthest away rooms at Disney Santa Fe Hotel. If you're staying at the Disneyland Hotel, I mean, that's literally in the parks. So that's a terrible example. But if you're staying at Newport Bay or New York, it's a five-minute walk tops. So that is one of the other huge benefits for staying on site. So yes, Disneyland Paris is not actually in Paris, but if you stay at a resort hotel that's in the resort, then, you know, you've only got to worry about that travel at the beginning and the end of your trip. Everything is within walking distance while you're there. Yes, definitely a huge, huge bonus. And I think the next thing that people want to know is how do they go about booking this? Do they book them directly with the hotels, which you can do. You can go to the Disneyland Paris website and you can book direct or you can also use a third party to help you book. So a company that both Mercedes and I have used for these trips would be Magic Breaks. They do a lot of good offers for things like hotels. They also can do meal plans, which we'll talk a little bit about in a minute. And they do certain deals throughout, often, often throughout different times of the year. So if you want to include your Eurostar or your Eurotunnel travel, they can include that. They can include flights. They can basically include every aspect of your trip that you need to get to Disneyland Paris. So it's definitely worth having a look into them. 
Absolutely. So Tash mentioned meal plans there as well. Food is another topic of conversation that we often get asked about. And it's changing all the time in the world of COVID. But one thing to note, again, this is a major difference for anybody that may be familiar with Walt Disney World or with Disneyland in California. At Disneyland Paris, your meal plans kind of come with your hotel like a dining plan, but it's often possible to get that meal plan included in the cost of your stay as well. As I say, we are living in COVID times right now. I know that the Disney dining plan in Walt Disney World isn't even available to pay for right now. And so there are lots of restrictions in Disneyland Paris as well. But when Tash and I visited Disneyland Paris in January 2020, the package that we purchased was a half board meal plan, which meant that we got two meals a day for free. And it also included our park ticket. So yes, we were paying for an expensive hotel, but when you consider everything that that cost meant in terms of food and entrance to the theme parks, it was a really amazing affordable price. Definitely. I think it's worth mentioning as well that the hotels don't include breakfast. So that is where purchasing a meal plan is a very beneficial thing. So you can add on your breakfast, but it doesn't come necessarily included from the get-go when you book a room. So definitely think about that. If you're adding on breakfast, you might as well add on the half-board meal plan and get your dinner or a lunch as well. And there's different levels of meal plans that you can do. So the half-board one is kind of probably one of the most standard ones, and that includes access to about 15 restaurants. You can also use your credits to upgrade to character dining sometimes, where you just pay a premium on top of that, but it wouldn't be as expensive as doing it normally. So definitely think about your options in terms of dining, where you want to eat, because I think adding on a meal plan is definitely worth it. The breakfast is real pain isn't it I like that was one of the things that I saw as hugely advantageous for staying at a Disneyland Paris hotel the fact that you got this huge buffet breakfast included in the cost of your stay and I do think it's really sad to be honest with you I'm one of these people that loves to bend the rules as much as I possibly can and if I had a half board meal plan I wouldn't be wasting it on buffet breakfast at the hotel I'd probably walk into Disney Village get a pastry from Starbucks just to tide me over and then I'd enjoy I don't know a lunch and a dinner but it completely depends on you so yeah if you are booking a Disneyland Paris hotel just make sure you check the fine print and you know exactly what it is that you've signed up for and as I say this episode is pre-recorded and even, you know, as it is, it's changing all the time. So just make sure you double check all of that when you're booking. Absolutely. And again, we won't go into detail about specific dining options and where to eat because we have lots of individual episodes for that about Disneyland Paris restaurants, Disneyland Paris snacks. So definitely have a scroll through, look for anything Disneyland Paris related and you will find a wealth of knowledge from us both there. Um, But then, yeah, I guess the other thing that people want to know is their itinerary, what they should do. So there are actually two parks at Disneyland. So there is Disneyland Paris, the resort or the main park and Park Disneyland. And there is the Walt Disney Studios as well. So I think people sometimes are quite surprised by this. They don't necessarily realise there are two parks and want to know the big differences. So Park Disneyland is your main Disneyland park. That's where you've got your castle, that's where you've got your main fireworks show, all your kind of traditional rides that you're probably expecting. And then Walt Disney Studios is... a waste of space. A waste of space, (laughs) as Mercedes says. I think it depends on the age range of who you're going with, but uh, 
it's, you know, you don't necessarily need a full day for that park. I think we would both agree. Yeah, we're not going to bore you with the history of Walt Disney Studios, especially if you're listening to today's episode and this is all new to you. But all you need to know is there's a lot of stuff that's planned for the future with Walt Disney Studios. There's a lot of stuff that's in development. And so that means the majority of the park right now is sadly closed under construction. In the future, it's going to be awesome, right? We're getting a Frozen land, we're getting an Avengers land, we're getting a Star Wars land. And if that sounds exciting, great, don't book just yet. Because at the moment, the offering of Walt Disney Studios is pretty slim. There's an amazing Toy Story land. If you've got young kids that are really into the Toy Story franchise, they're going to love that. There's also a beautiful Parisian area that's inspired by Ratatouille. And there's a fantastic family attraction that's situated in that area as well and then of course you've got the iconic Hollywood hotel as well the Tower of Terror attraction but yeah it's it's you know a two three hour park at most depending on what your family and and the people that you're going with want to do but as Tash said I think it's really really important just to note that that park is there it's definitely worth a visit oh my goodness it's got some amazing attractions but you only need to allow half a day I would say at the moment for Walt Disney Studios yeah I would completely agree yeah so if you you know have got three days in the park then make sure you dedicate two of them to the main park because that is where your time is definitely going to be most well spent and I think it's a good idea to have some flexibility with your plan I don't think you necessarily need to plan your day hour by hour But definitely go through and have a list or an idea of what rides and attractions you want to definitely do. Prioritise them so you know which ones you're definitely going to hit. And then maybe have a list of some others if you have time. You'll then get on them. And the same with shows and parades as well. Try and find out in advance what time things are so you can plan a little bit around that. Especially if you are going to be booking meals as well. It's very important to do that. And also the other thing that people do at Disneyland is character meet and greet. So have a look and see who is going to be available for you when you are on your trip. You do have to reserve some of these meet and greets on the Line Bertie app. So that is worth downloading. But there's a wealth of information on the Disneyland Paris app to help you plan your day. Absolutely. And that leads in nicely to one of the other questions that I get asked about the whole time, which is queuing. Will I have to queue hours to go on these attractions? And sadly, yes, I wish there was a magic ticket that was free, you know, a bit of paper that could give you a queue jump. But sadly, the Walt Disney Company is a huge corporation. So such pleasures are at a premium. So there is something called Premier Access, which you can buy if you have the Disneyland Paris app. And this gives you an immediate queue jump so that you can get to the front of the queue. And this ranges in terms of how much it is, depending on how popular the attraction is. I think the cheapest Premier Access attraction is €8 and the most expensive is €15. If you're traveling as a family of four, that's going to set you back €16, €60, €60, you can tell maths is not my strong area. And so, you know, you need to see if that is going to be viable with your budget, with your plans, with the uh, patience and the tolerance of the people that you're traveling with. Sadly, Tash and I don't have any experience with Premier Access as it's a very new thing that's been introduced at Disneyland Paris. But as soon as we've next headed into that park and experimented with that a little, we will, of course, let you know our thoughts. And I think that Premier Access actually leads in really nicely to one final thing that I know I get asked about the whole time, and that's budget. And this one is really, really difficult to comment on 
Obviously, I would always recommend trying to get some kind of dining plan ahead of your visit because it just means that you know that you don't have to worry about food while you're there. And food at Disney parks is notoriously expensive. It doesn't always have to be. There are some cheap options available in Disney Village, which is the shopping area just outside of the parks. You've got your McDonald's there, Five Guys, you know, the things that you would expect to see. But it it can all cost up. So I do think if you've got a dining plan in place, it's just going to help you with budget management a little bit. The other thing, of course, is merchandise. Head over to shopdisney.co.uk and you will not find very much at Disneyland Paris that is not on that website so you can buy stuff ahead I, I don't know it's easier said for me because I don't have any children but I don't understand people that spend hundreds of pounds on Disney merchandise at parks because it's not different from what we have here is it really no I mean yeah I guess the only thing is we are losing our Disney stores in the UK aren't we I think there's one now or two maybe true so I think people you know like to go look at stuff and so I can understand it in that respect but there are also other ways that you can get Disney stuff for your trip so a lot of supermarkets now and places like Primark have great Disney ranges so if you are looking for I don't know something to wear that's Disney related for your trip then definitely check out some of these cheaper options and maybe treat yourself to one thing when you're in Disneyland if you are on a budget definitely and then I guess the main thing that we think about when we think about Disneyland Paris is rides now this one differs so so much and I get asked about it the whole time what rides must I go on it really depends on you and the people that you're going with so to conclude the main part of today's episode, Tash, I'm going to present a scenario to you. So, um, hi, my name is Mary and I am going to Disneyland Paris for the first time. I'm completely out of my depth. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going for two nights and three days and I am going to be traveling with my three-year-old son and my eight-year-old daughter. And I just I just don't know what rise. What would be the three attractions that we have to go on oh okay mary what an interesting question you posed to me so for your three-year-old and it's just you no partner no No, i'm alone okay yeah so mary i would say you're going to probably spend a lot of time in Fantasyland in a park disneyland i would say peter pan is definitely worth checking out while you're there because although it is a dark ride and it's appealing for young children it's also a little bit more exciting than sort of your typical typical dark ride. So we'll appease your eight-year-old as well. So that's definitely one to do. Um, There's a lot of rides in Fantasyland that I think both of your children will get enjoyment out of. Um, Mercedes hates it, but a small world, it's a small world, is very iconic for Disneyland. So I would definitely check that one out as well while you're there. And then I would also head over to Hollywood Studios Um, sorry Walt Disney Studios and I would head to Toy Story as well because I think that will be appealing for both your children and there's some great kind of rides there that will appeal to both their ages amazing thank you so much I can't wait to enjoy it's a small world you're welcome Mary thanks so much do you want to give me a scenario that was quite fun actually it felt (laughs) like a role-playing exercise from drama or something Okay, so my name is Elizabeth. Hi, Lizzie. Hi, Liz. You can call me Liz. Okay. And I am heading over to Disney with my boyfriend. And neither of us are really into Disney, but we're going to be in Paris for a week. So part of the trip at the end, we're going to head over to Disney for a couple of nights. Um, We both like big rides. 
Um, but I don't really like heights. So, yeah, I'm just wondering where we should go. Everyone's saying that Fantasyland is, like, the main bit of the park. But um, it looks a bit babyish to me. So, yeah, what would you suggest? Well, Liz, you mentioned there that you like adrenaline rides. So one of the attractions that many people may recommend is the Tower of Terror, Hollywood Tower of Terror in, in Walt Disney Studios. But I listen and I heard you say you don't like heights. So I would say stay well clear of that ride. That's not going to be great for your vertigo. I would recommend the Indiana Jones roller coaster. It sometimes goes backwards. I don't think it is right now, but that's quite a high adrenaline, high speed coaster. In fact, it's one of the only coasters that's actually still available at Walt Disney World Paris, Euro Disney, you know what I'm talking about. Um, the other one, the other coaster that you definitely should go on is Space Mountain. Space Mountain sometimes gets a bit of a Star Wars overlay. I don't know if Star Wars is something that you and your partner are interested in, but you know, that John Williams soundtrack, you can't go wrong with that. So I definitely recommend those two coasters, Indiana Jones and also Space Mountain. For my third attraction, I'm going a little bit off piste. It's adrenaline, but in a different way. If you like a bit of a spook, I would definitely recommend Phantom Manor. It's a dark ride, but it's a little bit more adult in theming because you've got ghosts and haunts and that kind of stuff. And it is a classic Disney attraction that I think everybody should go on when they go to Disneyland Paris. Oh, thank you very much. You're welcome, Liz. Have a nice trip. I will. There we are. So this isn't something that Tash and I do, by the way, when we're by ourselves. <laughs> I feel like people... Do you know what? I used to do a similar thing with my sister. Do you remember? Hello, sweetie. What's your name? So when my sister was about like four, we used to do this thing. <laughs> she would be a princess and I was a child and I'd she she'd go hello sweetie what's your name and I'd have to be like Tabitha and she'd be like oh Tabitha what a beautiful name and then she'd be like like say she's being Cinderella she'd be like did you travel here by pumpkin and I'd be like no I got a plane and she'd be like a plane oh what's that I'm, I'm not familiar with that like literally we used to do this I remember, it, yeah, she must have been a bit older, actually, because it was when we were first in Walt Disney World. She was, like, six, and it was the game was called Hello, Sweetie, What's Your Name? She'd be like, Daisy, can we play Hello, Sweetie, What's Your Name? <laughs> and sometimes I was the princess, but normally she was the princess, and I had to pull out these strange children um or sometimes I'd be really shy and just smile at her and she'd go oh what's the matter cat got your tongue I'm, I'm revealing so much about myself I feel like it's time to wrap this up that was a very very nice insight into the inner workings of your brain <laughs> oh there we are and if you would like to get in touch with us and the inner workings of our brains please do so you can always contact us on twitter our twitter is at chat disney uk or find us on Instagram at Chat Disney. And if you are a Disneyland Paris dummy and you have any questions about booking a trip, then please do get in touch and let us know because we love to help people with planning trips. We do indeed. And one of the other ways that you can get in touch with us is to leave us a review. You can do so on the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify. And we actually have a new review that we are going to share with you all now. So we are going to dive into our final segment of the episode hello 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 so we love receiving a review on the chat disney podcast even better if it's a good review so please do get in touch and let us know what you think of our podcast any feedback or any episodes you want to hear from us in future please do tell us but for now 
we received a really, really lovely review um, at the end of last year from Stephen Q, who said, well, the title of his review was Lots of Fun and Five Stars. So thank you, Stephen. And he said, brilliant podcast, full of Disney stuff, as you'd expect. But the best part is Mercedes and Tash. Their banter is so much fun. You feel like you know them. Great job. Keep it going. Aww. I know, it's so lovely. We genuinely, genuinely love getting nice reviews. It really does make our day. And horrible ones. They don't make our day, but they give us something to talk about. They do, yes. So (laughs) even if you've got negative feedback from us, why not? Leave it. Yeah, no, please don't. (laughs) But no, we love to hear from you all. Thank you so much, Stephen. That's really, really brightened our day. And, you know, Tash and I are just a couple of clowns at heart. And I'm glad that that comes across in these episodes. Absolutely. And there will be more clowning around next week. And in a similar vein, we are going to talk about more Disneyland Paris stuff. And you may be thinking, hmm, is there a reason for this? Well, of course, the 30th Disneyland, the 30th anniversary of Disneyland Paris is just around the corner. So that's why we are kind of dedicating these next few episodes to all things Disneyland Paris. But next week, we're going to be looking at some of the most commonly asked questions, according to Google, about Disneyland Paris. And we are going to be answering them. I'm very excited for this. Yeah, absolutely. The weird and wondrous world of the internet is at the palm of our hands. So join us next week. If you have any burning questions about Disneyland Paris, or just for a few giggles about some of the stuff that other people have been wondering. We will see you then. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.